2: What is up, everyone? Guess what? It's 2021 right now, and this is the second show of the year. Over on Roadrunners, if you guys were just watching, Oversight just did his cash game show because he is now the greatest cash game player in the world in the DFS industry. I I didn't watch it because I was preparing for this show, but (laughs) I assumed that it was just pure magic and gold. We got the week 17, last week of the NFL season, DFS GPP strategy show. And I'm joined here by Mr. Helicopter himself, Ian Hartz. How are you doing over there?
3: You know, it's tough to be uh, following up the Cash Game King uh, in you know, our first show of 2021. But we'll go out there and uh, do our best. I'm doing good, grin. Happy to uh, talk some Week 17 uh, Slater, as we call it, DFS Christmas.
2: Yeah. I don't know. How'd, how'd your New Year go?
3: Uh, It was pretty good, you know. I'm I'm a big, uh, you know, Columbus, Ohio lifer, so I'm I'm hoping Clemson doesn't shatter my dreams uh, later tonight. But so far, so good, and you know, I'll I'll have I'll have ten to twelve drinks me by that point anyway. So I think we'll be uh, we'll be having a good night
2: regardless. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to spend New Year's. (laughs) It's it's weird. This is one that like I I know I'm getting old because this is the second New Year's in the in a row where I've woken up feeling fantastic, like. (laughs) I used to always, I used to live down near the Rose Bowl, and so Rose Bowl was always on New Year's Day. We'd go out, we'd get hammered the night before, and then wake up and just go get bottomless mimosas, and tailgate the Rose Bowl. But I'm, I think once I hit thirty, that that kind of that kind of just went out the window. I don't know if my body can handle that anymore. But yeah, it's not it's not terrible feeling this good on New Year's Day. Rub, rubbing we, it
3: anymore, man. Rubbing it in anymore. <laughs>
2: I mean, if you're, you'll feel pretty good in a few hours, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but we got we got some stuff to talk about, guys. If you haven't checked out Pro Football Focus, they've got a lot of good stuff over there. We're going to be going through your mismatch, mismatch manifesto today. Um, so, yeah, you ready, ready to dive on in? Let's freaking do it, man. All right. All right, let's start off. Uh, you know more than I do as you've <laughs> written all this. So let's go ahead and get started off with the your little explosive plays matchup breakdown here. I just looking at it and just what I see immediately, Minnesota stands off a little it. bit.
3: Exactly, man. Yeah. For those that don't know, what I'm trying to do here is whenever we talk about matchups, it's always been you know we have the number one passing offense versus the number 28 passing defense. I've combined those numbers to try to give us a one-way metric for each and every offense on the slate. And yeah, Vikings passing game standing out so much in creating explosive pass plays against the Lions. And hey, when we're looking at this slate, we're still not positive it's going to be Alexander Madison or Mike Boone. That's going to be the chalky, you know, cheaper running back with Dalvin Cook out. But if you don't want to put them in your lineups, you should be trying to find a way to get one of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, or. Er- Smith in there because I just do not see a way how the Lions are holding the Vikings under 30 points whether it's through the air or run you know we'll see how that shakes out but truly uh, Kirk Cousins company set up very well also seeing Tom Brady against the Falcons could create some uh, big plays through the air uh, unfortunately Josh Allen isn't going to have a chance to keep on keeping on or at least it might be limited you know we don't really know what's going on with the uh, starter counts in that game and then also Phillip Rivers uh, against the Jaguars is popping a little bit that's an interesting one because man that is look, super
2: interesting.
3: we look at these Lions the Jaguars uh, you know Jets been playing all right i'd put the raiders there almost at this point uh lions jaguars and uh raiders it's like we know teams are going to put up points against these guys we just need to kind of figure out how and when so much of the ownership is going to these run games not a bad idea to look through the air particularly with the colts vikings and the broncos maybe
2: yeah no let's I, i'd like to talk a little bit more about the broncos cuz they were a team i was looking into i think they have the highest total or that game has the highest over under on the entire board uh last time i checked it was wednesday so it might might be a little different now but Like, yeah, like, from a DFS perspective, Denver's cheap, but they're expected to score a lot of points. Looking at your article here, it looks like, yeah, it's a perfect spot. Raiders' defense have been horrible. Like, yeah, is it just a good spot to go on some of the big play guys?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Titans-Texans is kind of the game a lot of people are eyeing it for good reason, but to me, the Raiders-Broncos, that's kind of like the slightly more under-the-radar uh, potential shootout. To your point, yeah, I mean, I, I guess they do have the highest game total of the week, so maybe not that much under the radar, but just not quite as many just overly expensive options to go to. Even like Melvin Gordon, man, we're seeing on this you know chart right here that the Broncos' uh, run game is popping up a little bit, and hey, without Philip Lindsay in the picture, he has been getting fed, so 5,700 on DraftKings, I think Gordon makes a lot of sense. We just got news that uh, KJ Hamler got rolled out. I mean, hey, Drew Locke, you know, it's always an up and down experience. He's either really, really good or really, really bad. Usually really, really bad. But, uh, you know, Jerry Judy, a lot of drops last week. But, hey, you know, I think it was 15 targets, something like that. The guy's always getting open. Of course, with the Raiders, we got, you know, Darren Waller, highest price tight end. But even then, you know, if you just want to call him a receiver, he's all of a sudden not that expensive. Nelson Aguilar also very much in place. So, yeah, man, I love that Raiders-Broncos game stock potential.
2: Yeah, yeah, something to just note real quick is, yeah, when you're talking about Darren Waller, he is priced like a receiver. But on this week, like tight end every single week is not good. But this week we have so many cheap, like three to four K wide receivers. So essentially what you're doing is you're sacrificing a seven K wide receiver for Waller. And then you're sacrificing a horrible three K tight end. That's probably going to get zero points anyways for an actual wide receiver with some upside. So, yeah, I'm a big go. fan of Waller this week.
3: No, I think that's a great point. There's a ton of wide receivers, you know, priced at that, you know, because like if Irv Smith is kind of the cheapest tight end we're getting down to, I, I wouldn't say Irv's, you know, at, at risk of goose egging uh, too badly. But to your point, there's a way more wide receivers underneath 4K than uh, tight ends that we can feel overly good about.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can literally just look at that game. We got Tim Patrick, Judy's at 4.4K. Like there's, there we go. There's multiple guys you can end up going with there. So, yeah, absolutely. But let's break down a little bit of the pace matchups here. I mean, it's week 17. Pace has kind of gone up and down throughout the course of the season. I know the Dallas like start off as the most the fastest paced team of all time, pretty much (laughs) for a majority of the season. But things have changed throughout the season. So looking at the overall like entire year numbers isn't the most effective way to do it. But you've kind of broken down everything here. What, What matchup really stands out to you as a good pace matchup here?
3: Yeah, it's Cardinals and Rams. They have been the team to pass the Cowboys, to your point, a historical pace uh, that they were setting up there at the beginning of the year. No pun intended. But, uh, yeah, so with the Cardinals, hey, man, Kyler Murray, he's going to be out there giving it a shot. And I know John Wolford, everyone's looking at him, you know, under 5K. And I get it. It's not a terrible guy to potentially build a lineup around. Go get your stars uh, with such a cheap option or center. But don't sleep on Kyler Murray. I mean, before he got banged up against this Rams defense, he was literally averaging the most fantasy points per game in a season ever. He just fell off a little bit more in the second half of the year, wasn't running quite so much. Is that a risk with him, you know, now dealing with his lower body injury? Absolutely. But could not pick a more, you know, winner. It's a win and get in game. We know they're going to be, you know, what, what's the uh – uh uh, from, um, oh my goodness, from the Waterboy. It's, it's his last game of the year. There's no holding back now. So you would expect that with uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. You know, go run your heart out, dude. And even if you don't, if you, and hey, even if you want to say Kyler is probably going to be limited to some extent, hey, Chase Edmonds has been practicing all week. And when Kyler has been limited, there's been more targets and more goal line rush attempts for Kenyon Drake. So it's scary going up against Aaron Donald and company. But man, we'll get to in our best bets. I feel like we're giving the Rams way too much credit for having something named John Walford under center.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, like, the big thing with him is he's a guy I, – I don't know too much about him. Maybe, maybe – I mean, Sean is a smart coach. Maybe he does a whole bunch of just short passes, just dinkers and dunks and, like, plays really conservative the entire game. But having a new quarterback under the center, like, it doesn't have a ton of time to get fully entrenched in the offense, there's a decent chance that he turns the ball over a few times in this spot and the Cardinals end up with great uh, field position. Like, it's not just going to automatically be – like run, 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 punt. It could be a few spots where the Cardinals are turn the ball over on like a thirty-yard line, and just adds to more points in those type of volatile situations. But yeah, what about any other game? It looks like the Giants and Dallas is looking all right. But again, yeah, that little bit of that pace has gone down since the beginning of the season. It looks like Atlanta, Tampa Bay has a decent pace spot. What are the other spots you're looking at outside of how how is Mahomes not going not being in there going to affect the pace of the KC game? I can't imagine. They're just going to be ripping through things.
3: It's could be a completely different team, completely different offense. And I don't give away all my best bets right now. But again, yeah, I think that the fact that we're seeing the Chargers only three and a half point favorites against uh, who? Chad Henney, who hasn't started a game since 2014. If he had Tyreek and Kelsey and just everyone else out there, like, okay, maybe we can get behind it. But no, I think Casey's getting far too much credit in the spot. I'm fine loading up on the Chargers players. And yeah, you know what? I came on here last week and I was all in on the Eagles. I did not think the Cowboys had a chance against that defensive line. But hey, you know, Fletcher Cox gets hurt. One thing leads to another. Got to give Andy Dalton a company credit where credit's due. They've been putting up some points lately. And I think uh, Mari Cooper could be someone that could benefit from this. We saw Michael Gallup go off uh, last week. I think people were going to kind of overrate the potential shadow matchup with James Bradbury. The Giants just play so much zone that it's not really that big of a deal anyway. So, yeah, I think, you know, the Cowboys and also Ezekiel Elliott, lowest price he's ever been on DraftKings at 6400 Hey, it's not the Dak unit, but it's at least, you know, not that dumpster fire we saw for the first couple of weeks yeah. after Dak got injured. So, Cowboys boys they still are using a fast pace it's not the blistering you know one they had earlier in the year but certainly not an awful spot and then quickly Packers, Bears, Saints, Panthers, Seahawks, 49ers kind of popping as the uh, lower paced matchups. I'm just, man, I don't know when and if Russ Wilson and company can get truly back on track. It's just wild how, you know, explosive they were in the first half of the year and then kind of what they've become now. But with that in mind, Chris Carson could be someone that, you know, we've been waiting on to really pop off for one of these big games. But Chris Carson, Jeff Wilson, you know, in these slower paced games, you are not looking to game stack it as much, but still some potentially good options at the running back position in particular.
2: Yeah, with Seattle, I just I'm a I'm a big Seattle fan, so I've been watching the entire time. As soon as that defense got better, and Pete Carroll realizes he doesn't have to put up a ton of points, he's like, "Oh man, I got Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson here. Let's give them the ball every single snap until we can't give them it anymore." Yeah, yeah it, it's it's infuriating to see like how good Wilson was at the beginning of the season and how they just like, "All right, we have a good defense now. We don't need to let him do anything." And uh, it's just infuriating. But yeah, that's a game where I'm really not planning on. Playing on doing too much there plus there's always a chance at halftime the saints and the packers are both up by 14 points and the seattle's now playing for officially nothing so that that's all. week 17 always the <laughs> the greatest week of the year where you just ha- think you have the absolute nuts and then they don't come out of the second half and you're just completely done for but that's it it's it's a fun ride <laughs> it last. let's look at uh the next part of your column here the pressure rates uh for these matchups here and like yeah what's what's really standing out on this for you? Yeah, a couple guys that
3: could be screwed. Sam Darnold against the Patriots. Patriots pass rush isn't amazing, but the only two offenses this year that have been pressured on at least forty percent of their dropbacks are the New York Jets and the New York Giants. So seeing Daniel Jones popping a little bit as well. Again, Zeke Elliott and the Cowboys defense. I know they burned us all season, but this might be a decent under under the radar spot for him uh, against the Giants team that just cannot move the ball without Daniel Jones having any sort of mobility. Uh, and also, hey, Miami. You know, if we just want to look at teams that have motivation playing teams that don't have as much motivation, Miami. Dolphins defense against the Buffalo Bills team that again, we just don't know how long Josh Allen's going to be out there. Uh, that's been a good defense under Brian Flores all year and Josh Allen, hey he makes it work man but you put matt barkley back there i don't think it's going to be quite as uh, pretty of a picture as we've seen throughout the rest of this year uh guys that could have all day a throw philip rivers popping again this colts passing game you know i you know gun to my head sure i think jonathan taylor gets most of the production but naeem hines ty hilton zach Pascal. there are other options to look at in this colts offense because this again is one of the best matchups that we can ask for against the jaguars then also uh you know hey if you really want to go on the limb man i did a, a dfs breakdown article on pff.com this week i just had a gal brain dart throw section. And I was looking at one guy in the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, and that is Deontay Johnson, because, hey, Ben Roethlisberger sitting – everyone else we don't know and hey to your point maybe second half rolls around he's only got four targets and we see him you know helmet off on the sideline and we're just infuriated but for someone that is the outright number one pass game target facing a browns defense without denzel ward like you know deontay was mason rudolph's number one receiver last year so it's not like it's you know we have no evidence of him balling out with rudolph under center hey if i make 100 tournament lineups deontay going to be in like two or three of them i'm not saying to go crazy on it but i do think in this pittsburgh offense if you really want to try to crunch some numbers and find I'm one guy I do think it's Deontay Johnson because he's gonna have such low ownership because he's being priced as if big Ben is under center
2: yeah and I mean it's interesting like big Ben he's not the greatest quarterback in the world just he gets a huge volume of like low a dot targets like he's just giving Deontay the ball over and over again I think yeah outside the games where every game that he's played the full game I think he's averaging 14 targets in those games it's just something absolutely ridiculous and with Mason Rudolph under center, I'm guessing they're going to run with the same type of quick throw offense that they have been. But it's interesting because, like, obviously Juju or Claypool could end up going up. But none of those guys are going to end up with any ownership because Steelers really aren't playing for anything. And Big Ben's not under center. But it's definitely a decent GBP spot if you really want to go, like, in the Millie Maker. It's not the worst idea in the world. So I'm right there with it, especially if you want to bring it back with Nick Chubb over on the other side because they're going to be running the ball late in the game. like so, it. Yeah, yeah, there's always cuz they're not just going to entirely give up and roll over I would assume, but And the anyway. Browns
3: defense is probably going to be the chalkiest one out there. So if somehow some way the Steelers offense has some success,
2: it's a pretty nice leverage play. Yeah, yeah no, right there with you. Anything else in this pressure spot here, or do you want to move on to
3: the next one? Now nah, we can move on to yards before contact, and we're seeing the Baltimore Ravens against the Bengals really stick out. I was looking at Lamar Jackson's game log against the Bengals, and they have not been able to slow down this guy on the ground until their first matchup this year, when it was so easy for them that Lamar only ran the ball twice, and we ended up getting a week's worth of like, are we sure? Lamar's okay. He only ran the ball twice in an entire game type of take, so hey, you know, credit to the Bengals for getting that win against the Texans. Money which and definitely. the win against the Steelers. Oh my gosh, you're right. I forgot about them. I wiped out one from my mind. On the
2: I live bet the Bengals on both those. Like last week versus the Texans, they were plus 260 when they were up three points. Like in the third, I'm like, this line isn't right for a team to just beat the Steelers. And the Texans aren't a great team by any means, so. They're yeah. playing
3: They're playing better, man, for sure. I do just worry about their ability to slow down a Ravens offense that is starting to click a little bit in their own right. Um, and also, we're seeing the Rams running backs uh, pop a little bit. You know, still trying to see if Cam Akers is going to be out there. Obviously, Malcolm Brown's going to be very popular at just 4,300 on DraftKings, if not, and for good reason. I mean, look, they could barely, they don't want to take the guy off the field on pass downs and like short yardage situations anyway. Now you strip away the rest of the running backs. We could be looking at a true 90% plus snap roll. Uh, seeing the Giants running backs popping a little bit against the Cowboys because everybody pops against the Cowboys run defense but I think it's too muddled to take too uh, much advantage of last one the Bears quietly haven't had that great of a run defense this year. they've been giving up a lot of explosive plays and I know AJ Dillon went berserk last week but Aaron Jones just got banged up in that game Jamal Williams is still hurt I think you know Aaron Jones we know he has those you know 150 plus even 200 total yard type performances in his range of potential outcomes Packers got to keep their foot on the gas I know it's been the Aaron Rodgers Devontae show all season but hey uh, you know at least this chart Point in the direction that aaron jones could be a nice guy to uh, you know at target in tournaments yeah
2: and i'm sure the fact that aaron Rodgers has pretty much locked up the mvp vote now that mahomes isn't playing last week of the season probably like they're not just gonna throw the ball on the one yard line every time now just like, get, like, like they have sex. been
3: all season long
2: <laughs> i mean it's been beautiful if you've been playing adams it's been horrific if you've been playing jones <laughs> but i mean it's yeah it, it is what it is like it's working for them Um, Yeah, no, anything else popping here? Moving Uh, on. Yeah, Falcons really screwed. Panthers looking pretty screwed without Mike Davis and Christian McCaffrey.
3: That's fine, though, because now we got Curtis Samuel there looking at, you know, 10 plus carries potentially with five targets or so. We just do not see that type of dual threat role in fantasy football for a wide receiver. Robert Woods is really the only other guy that even gets a couple carries uh, per game if that Curtis Samuel looking like a legit RB wide receiver hybrid. Even if the matchup isn't that great against the Saints, I think he has the volume to overcome it. But yeah, we can move on to EPA and kind of roll through this one quick. This one's just best overall offensive situations and you know I should have mentioned I I was trying to mention the uh, worst defenses to target in the uh, league earlier Houston Texans are definitely on that list and we're seeing that right here Vikings Titans offense is really popping and you know same thing I kind of look at these situations the same like Titans and Vikings are both going to be putting up points obviously they have chalky running backs I want Derrick Henry in every lineup but if you can't get up to him you know you should not be having a lineup with no Titans in it because again I just really don't see a way how they don't put up points on the Texans whether it's Derrick Henry Corey Davis AJ Brown you know there's a lot of guys even johnny smith who's been playing a little bit more than usual over the past few weeks after having a long uh, string of duds uh, throughout the middle of the season so titans vikings you know get as much access to those offenses as you can good bring back potential for the texans and then also uh, the chiefs are popping but obviously that's only because uh, it's assuming patrick mahomes is under center so the only guy are you interested in anyone on the chiefs because i a little bit me cole hardman maybe but I, I don't even know with him like we just have no idea what the playing time is gonna look like
2: I mean, yeah, and it's also, like, just a slate as a whole. Mike Boone is the starting running back for the Vikings, and you have a pretty much lock and load 4K running back. If Brown is the guy who's going to get 90% of the share, he's way too cheap. Like, I want to spend up at wide receiver. The problem is – or spend down at wide receiver on a few of these guys. Like, yeah, Hardman has a chance for a huge game. Him and Robinson. Like, if Hill and Kelsey are out, there's so much of the offense that is going to go to other guys, and they're priced not – like just way too low, even with Henny under center, they have big upside. They have huge game potential. They're both very talented wide receivers, but Robinson and Hartman, I just don't know if I can actually leave that much money on the board. I mean, unless it's going to be a week where I pretty much lock in Darren Waller, which is looking like a distinct possibility if all this value ends up opening up. I don't know if I can really pay down that much for wide receivers because there's just so much value at the running back position that it becomes real tough.
3: Yeah, No, I think in cash games in particular, you're going to have to take the value at RB tournaments, though. That probably is the way to be a little bit contrarian, just kind of fade this, uh, you know, low price running back group as a whole. It's going to be tough because to your point, you know, they certainly have the, you know, projected touch count to warrant, uh, you know, kind of taking on that higher price ownership. But, hey, if you want to separate your, you know, your lineups from the field, probably fading those uh, cheaper running backs and going with more of a overall mid-tier approach or maybe, you know, just paying up at the running back position, and really going low at the wide receivers might be the way to go in tourneys.
2: Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It's got, definitely going to be an interesting peak or week, but you, you, I hear you have some bets for us.
3: Hey, there we
2: go. Um, I got, let's
3: see, last week we went one-on-one, one, missed the Eagles, got the Seahawks. Now, unfortunately, the freaking Bengals beating the Texans ruined the uh, three-and-a-half-to-one parlay. So couldn't get that one for you guys, but I like these three first, I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens, 12 and a half over the Bengals. You know, hey, you were, you were already starting to get me a little bit worried, you know, talking about how well the Bengals haven't playing, But again, they pretty, even that game against the Steelers, man, they threw, Ryan Finley threw for like 94 yards. Like, they just yeah. haven't, I mean, it's just been so much bleh, you know, surrounded by, okay, maybe six total quarters of them looking good. I just don't think that this Bengals defense has what it takes to slow down the Ravens. And I think the one crypt tonight for the Bengals offense that we've seen, particularly for their passing game, has been pressure. The Ravens have you know last over the last two years even that they've been the most splits heavy team pretty much in the entire league so you know bringing that to brandon allen hey great win against the texans and Finley got against the steelers i think it comes to a halt ravens you know are playing to get in they got they've been hearing about that you know andy dalton uh old time win against them a couple years ago that kicked him out of the playoffs i think that we see lamar company keep the foot on the gas for four quarters and cover this uh, lofty spread I like the Chargers uh, minus three and a half. Just too much credit for Chad Henney and these guys. You know, again, Henney has not started a game since 2014. He's only a three and a half point dog. Again, if Kelsey and Hill were out there and they were just only benching Mahomes, that'd be one thing. But we're seeing Hill with this hamstring injury. I don't think Kelsey's obviously going to be out there. And hey, who knows what's going to be happening with defense. So there's no Keenan Allen on the Chargers. But honestly, watching Justin Herbert, like, a couple of weeks ago, we saw him with Eckler coming back and he wasn't playing well because so much of the offense was him just kind of dumping it off to Eckler at, at the you know first sign. But with Eckler banged up and Keenan banged up, we've really seen him just go back to airing the ball out downfield, Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, and uh, Mike Williams. That's what he's capable of. That's what he's better at. And I think with Keenan out, it's one of these like Baker without OBJ, uh, even like yeah. Teddy Bridgewater without CMC. I'm not saying the offense is better without one of these great wide receivers, but sometimes the quarterback kind of doesn't go through their progressions. They hone in too much on one guy. so. Because of that, I'm not freaking out because Keenan Allen's out. I'm not saying it's a positive, but it's not a huge negative. And, hey, look, Andy Reid, he's got a playoff by He doesn't want to get hurt. Anthony Lynn coaching for his damn life. We'll see if maybe that can get some better decisions out of him. You know, at this point, nothing else has worked, so we'll see what happens there. But either way, Chargers, minus three and a half. And then finally, Cardinals minus three. It's Kyle Murray versus John Wolford. And if you look at what the Rams have done against the Cardinals, they've scored over 30 points in every single game McVay has had. But you know, I just feel like it's almost a little un, and I'm hardly golf's, you know, biggest fan or anything. But anytime the Rams offense goes well, it's like, oh my God, look at Sean McVay. And anytime they're bad, it's just like, wow, Jared Goff is such a piece of shit. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like at some point maybe we're giving McVay a little bit too much credit here. If we do look at just the quarterback position, I mean, this is a massive you know, three checks and air. Arizona's uh, side hey Aaron Donald company we've seen the Rams win with defense this year but as we saw last week I mean even a good defense if you can score 20 points against this uh, Rams team I'm not sure without golf in particular they just have the firepower to keep up at this point so Cardinals minus three Chargers minus three and a half and Ravens minus 12 and
2: a half yeah I'm a big fan of two of those bets I'd like the Cardinals but I don't really have a huge lean either way (laughs) three like even we don't know what Wofford's going to be like so I, I, I don't know about that one, but yeah, absolutely with you with the Chargers one. Like, this is a team that always plays Kansas City close every single year anyways. Yeah. They took them to overtime, I believe, in the first game this season. Last season, I think that they kept get both games very close. Like, season before, they almost beat them in the playoffs, if I remember correctly. Like, they played this – anytime there's a divisional game, like, you get the better team now because Mahomes not in the offense. We don't know what the defense is going to be, like, in full-on tank mode. Like, Reed is a genius, but this – chargers team like their offense is good and their defense may be mediocre but they're facing a real secondary offense so i'm right there with you on the chargers and yeah uh baltimore that was a i don't like betting huge spreads like i generally don't like betting huge spreads but whenever baltimore has faced a bad team this season they have absolutely destroyed them like they have one of point differentials in the entire league this season playing so many close games or losing so many close games they have 130 uh point differential this season we look at their schedule they beat the browns week one by 32 they beat the texans by 18 they lost to the chiefs they lost blah 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 they beat the Bengals by 24 they beat, uh, what was the next team? They, they have like a t- the Cowboys by 17. Any bad team, they blow them out. They blow them out every single time. And going up against a team that really can't stop Lamar Jackson, that just leads to an absolute blowout. We saw this all through last season. And, yes, they haven't been the same team, but they've covered the spread of 14-plus, I think, eight, nine times this season, every single bad team, they beat by at least 14 points outside of the Eagles that they only beat by two. And that was a weird situation. Eagles kind of always stick around for no apparent reason.
3: Well, I think it makes sense to feel better about backing a big spread from a run first team that when they, you know, okay, if they're building that lead, they're building the lead on the ground and they're just going to keep going on the ground. Even if it's Dobbins and they take him out and it goes to Gus Evers, they're still moving the ball. And to your point, they've continued to cover these spreads over the past two years. So, yeah, I man, I, I, look, I don't love laying that many points either, but I think in this particular instance, it makes sense.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, right there with it. Right there with it. Well, should we move on to a little bit of DFS content? Let's do it. All right, let's start off with quarterback. I've already done the morning grind this week, so I've already looked into things a little bit. But quarterback, there isn't really a huge lock and load spot. And I think the best spot we already talked about a little bit for a point-per-dollar basis, whether we need it or not, is going to be Drew Locke going up against the Raiders. As we've said, like they have a 24-implied team total. This is projected to be a close game. It's the highest total on the board. And you can pair him up nicely with a lot of his cheap wide receivers. The main problem is, are we going to need it? So like, why are you really looking at a quarterback for cash and for GPPs?
3: I think that I love that uh stack for GPP games in particular, because we can bring it back. We know what Nelson Aguilar, even Darren Waller, a lot of options in that game. Uh, I think also GPPs again, talked about this in the mismatch manifesto section, but if you're going to be fading Mike Boone, Alexander Madison, or, you know, God forbid, Derek Henry going to those passing games, Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, Corey Davis, Kirk cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Hey, we know they can put up points, but with so much of the ownership projected to be on the running backs might be a good way to pivot to the, passing game with cash games though I find myself centered around two builds right now I'm liking Justin Herbert uh stacking with Mike Williams and Donald Parham it's just so cheap without Keenan Allen in there and you can get his number one tight end who Parham played over 80 percent of the offensive snaps last week without Hunter Henry involved and then also Mike Williams who is healthy remember he was limited in that game two weeks ago alongside Keenan Allen, but last week we saw Mike return to his normal role, and without Keenan in there, man, I truly believe in Mike Williams as, you know, a legit number one wide receiver. It's not his fault. He just has someone better on his own team, so Herbert, again, it's one of the he's not cheap at 7,100, but because his top two pass catchers are fairly cheap, very affordable stack, and the same kind of goes for Lamar Jackson, man. You know, just we talked about the Ravens and their potential to put up points. Obviously, he gives you such a high rushing floor, and, you know, at 8K, yes, he's the most expensive quarterback, but when you consider that Marquise Brown's under 6K, Mark Andrews is under 6K. You can pair him up with the easily his top two pass catchers and the stack is actually cheaper than most other quarterbacks, even though Lamar ends up being, you know, the most expensive single uh, QB on the slate. So if you want to go naked with Lamar? I guess you can get, go down to John Wolford uh, in some lineups because he does have that dual threat ability. You know, we've seen that in the AAF in college. I believe 14 games with over 50 rushing yards at Wake Forest and led all AAF QBs in rushing as well. You know, I, I think the hype's getting a little bit out of control with him. You know, just all these like random ass practice clips of Sean McVay comparing with Doug Flutie and this and that. But hey if you want to go down and get that cheap at a quarterback, it should be with someone that has that rushing upside. It seems like Walford at least has some semblance of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't mind that at all. And like, it's kind of easy to pair up, you know, that he's going to throw the ball like to Reynolds is underpriced, but he's going to throw a ball ton to woods and, I would guess like they're probably going to run a lot of two tight end sets, like with both Everett and Higby, they're going to try and run the ball. So if you need a tight end, like either one of those guys I would assume would get a decent amount of volume, but yeah, it's just, you know, where to pair things up there. So I'm a big fan of that. in uh, cash, who's your cash game QB?
3: I'm leaning, I'm leaning Herbert right now just again, I think stacking him with Williams and Parham uh, just going throughout the rest of the lineup. That, that allows me to get up to Derek Henry and get up to some of these other guys that I'm trying to get to. But yeah, I'm, you know, drew lock, Walford. I think there's too low of a floor and Hey, I'm okay with the Lamar Hollywood, Andrew stack as well. But right now I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm settling on Herbert. He's given us so much this whole year. I know it's still like, Oh, we really get trusted rookie QV playing an arrowhead, but we can't look at this chiefs team as a juggernaut. They've been over the past few years, completely different team with these backups. And Hey, You know, Chargers, they're they're one of these teams Or even, you know, picking them in this spot, I feel a little uneasy because of all the weird ways they find to lose. But at some point, we need to appreciate Justin Herbert just set the freaking record most uh, touchdowns by a a rookie, you know, so I think, uh, you know, going with him and his top potential top two guys makes sense in this
2: spot. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, like, a lot of this obviously hinges on what's available in cash. Like, you might be forced into Mike Boone Brown, Derek Henry, Lamar and cash yeah. like that might just, then, then you're just figuring and probably Waller. And then you're just figuring out what, what, wide receivers are you going to fitting in there? What defense are going to fitting in?
3: I, I would like, say that hundred percent. Cause like when I was going through this, I'm, I'm kind of, it seems like Madison's going to have a good chance to get him back. If Boone is there, I'm absolutely going up to Lamar Jackson. That just gives you so much uh, flexibility. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. So let's move on to running back there. And yeah, obviously a little bit of unknown here with Brown, with Madison, with Boone, like, Are they going to be available? Are they going to get everything? And are they pretty much locking loads? If Madison's out, like, is there any way you can fade Boone? Like, he's going to get a ton of work. He crushed in this exact same type of spot last year in Week 17. And he's going up against Detroit, which, like, yes, any good running back or even bad running back can fail against a good defense. But Detroit is just so terrible on the defensive end that I don't really see any way that – Unless they just decide, all right, we're going to only throw the ball, in which case you can just leverage on GBPs with Jefferson or Thielen. But we'll get to that when we get to wide receivers. But is there any way to fade Mike Boone?
3: I don't think so, man, because you look at these cheap running backs. We got Malcolm Brown, who's playing with John Walford under center and not a cake matchup against the Cardinals. Ty Johnson's expecting to be the leader for the Jets at just 4,300. It's still the Jets and against the Patriots. I know they haven't looked great, but man, putting a lot of faith in Adam Gase, uh, you know, with a cheap running back like that. And then Dario Gumbawale at 4,500. Now we're on a Jaguars, an awful offense. So, you know, Boone's the only one that is one on, in a great offense and two with a great matchup against a bad defense. So he checks those boxes and, and yeah, we have three games last year that show that he will be their touch leader and we're is going to be out there it's not going to be the complete mike boone show but matchup is far too good to get away from i'm with you at just 4k we got to go in with mike boom i do think though if you want to go up in price you don't even need to go all the way up you know to derrick henry jonathan taylor to get some upside i get you know trying to center your cash game lineups around you know henry taylor and throw boone in there and go cheap enough elsewhere elsewhere but i just think you know I mentioned Ezekiel Elliott earlier. Cheapest he's ever been at 6,400. Also got DeAndre Swift at 6,300. Nice bring back uh, in that Vikings Lions game. If you want to do a bring back at all, Chris Carson at 6,200. Again, Seah- Seahawks are getting back to running the ball. Uh, you know, Carlos Hyde, Rashad Penny, they're there, but they're just being clear backups. And it really has been the uh, Chris Carson show more weeks than not. And then Melvin Gordon at 5,700 again with Philip Lindsay sideline he's been getting fed. And also like Jeff Wilson, this dude just went off last week. Nothing has changed. And hey, I mean, maybe it's not as good of a matchup or whatever you want to say but still only 6k for someone we can reasonably project for 20 plus touches feel like he's going under the radar because of all these cheap running backs available so you know it's going to be impossible like no we can't fade derrick henry 225 yards away from uh, 2k in this uh, smash spot but I do think if you want to not load up completely on these uh, cheaper running backs, there are still plenty of options in that mid-tier, uh, mainly tournaments, because again, I-, I think Henry, Taylor, and Boone probably makes the most sense in cash game lounge, but really like these options at the mid-range uh for tourneys.
2: Yeah. What about uh I, I also I didn't realize that Henry was that close to 2000 yards. Yeah. They're well, gonna get it, him there, man. Yeah, well it's yeah, it's two twenty-three in order to get okay. to the 2,000-yard mark, and, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, they're already giving him 30 touches a game. What's an extra five, one when you, five more touches when everyone on the defensive side is not going to hit you hard enough to hurt you because Detroit is absolutely terrible? Um, but two other guys I kind of wanted to mention here is Miles Gaskin. Any interest in him? Buffalo might be bringing out their B defense in the second half. Gaskin is playing on a team that needs to make the playoffs. We've seen the Dolphins. It doesn't matter who the running back is, whoever the start, stud running back is, they're going to run him over and over again. We look at him and he's had 20 plus touches in almost every single game where he started since Jacksonville in week three, like any interest in Gaskin and then David Johnson. Is he finally starting to look good?
3: I think both these guys are, again, just kind of in that nice, uh, you know, I think Johnson's like 7,100 or something, but they're both in that, you know, 6K to 7K range where, yeah, you can get these three down running backs, particularly David Johnson. I mean, he played 98% of their offensive snaps last week, and also Gaskin, first week back from injury, he got 76% snaps. There's nobody else competing for touches in those backfields. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I would just rather be on a little bit more explosive offenses just in terms of uh, Gaskin. I like David Johnson a little bit more, but you know, just tough for me to kind of get uh, all the way up to him. When we have guys like Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, and even Chris Carson, I think with similar touch counts. But no, I, I think those guys are in play as well. So many freaking options at this position this week.
2: Yeah, and the like, I, this is gonna be a w- week to look at ownership because, yeah, like I say, there's no way to fade Mike Boone, but realistically. <laughs> with this much value on the board, fading Mike Boone, you can still get David Johnson. You can still get Gaskins and you can still get Jonathan Taylor and you can still get all these other guys. Like it all depends on where you want to go at wide receiver, which is the definitely one of the more interesting part to look at this week. So yeah. let's move on to wide receiver here. Like we got Adams at 9.2 K like that's why Boone and um, Brown becomes so, so important because Devontae Adams in there at nine two and Derek Henry's nine four, you can easily fit both those guys into your lineups by paying down at running back and paying for some of these cheap wide receivers. But we already talked about Minnesota a little bit, how Thielen or Jefferson could end up with a massive game destroys a terrible defense. And they give up a lot of explosive plays, which pays perfectly for Jefferson and pretty well for Thielen. Like, where are you looking at at the top for wide receiver? Where are you looking at for the bottom? Like where are some real sneaky options? Go ahead and break that down.
3: Yeah, I think same logic that applies to Minnesota applies to AJ Brown and Corey Davis. I know Corey's coming off, you know, that goose egg that burned so many people in their you know season long finals and everything. But we've seen more than enough from Corey Davis throughout this year. Ryan Tannehill, in particular, to trust this offense and anyone's idea of a smash ball against this Texans mediocre secondary. So again, if you can't find a way to get up Derrick Henry, I do think looking at this Titans passing game uh, deserves a long look. Curtis Samuel at fifty three hundred is going to be a staple in cash game lineups. Again, he already had a large role before mike davis was ruled out to warrant you know high ownership and now with davis out of the picture we're truly looking at a rb1 wide receiver two three potentially like we do not see these types of roles come along often we should take advantage of it now that's here Mike Williams at 5,000. Again, he's someone that's going to be right there in every Justin Herbert stack. And I know he dropped a score last week, but hey, you know, he has that legit just 100 plus yard and one or two touchdown upside. Remember that Saints game back in week five with Keenan Allen sideline for most of the game. Herbert was more than willing to feature Mike as his true number one wide receiver. Uh, you know, looking throughout the uh, rest of them, I think there are some solid pivot options. You know, I, the cheapest one we can get to and feel good about is Gabriel Davis at 3,600. But, you know, just looking at right underneath him at Lynn Bowden. Hey, this Dolphins offense remains all kind, kinds of banged up they have the motiva- motivation against as you mentioned a bill's defense that you know kind of has the opposite so Lim Bowden, someone that can get you know a random pass attempt here a rush attempt there different ways to rack up points in just 3500 i think it makes sense Marquez calloway led all Saints receivers and snaps last week but he's inexplicably the cheapest one at just 3200 so there's a lot of value here in the cheap spots of wide receiver um, last point I would make is you know if you're if you're off my my uh Mike Williams or Curtis Samuel Uh, you know, trains, particularly in tournaments. I do think there's some ready-made pivots there. We got Sterling Shepard at 5,200. Golden Tate's been sidelined. Shepard historically has been one of the more slot-sensitive players in the league in terms of just being so much better inside. And we have seen those snaps really get enhanced with Golden Tate sideline. Kiki Cootie at 5,600, you know, bring him back in that Titans matchup, I think it makes sense. And then finally Marvin Jones at 5,100 if Matthew Stafford is active. You know, look at, you know, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones, these guys that busted last week, they are still, you know, viable guys, very affordable, and again, I think provide us with that wide receiver two upside oh. at a fraction of the usual ownership that we would expect.
2: Yeah, Marvin Jones was strictly because Stafford got injured like five minutes into the game. Right. Like, that entirely changed things. Tampa Bay has been a little bit susceptible. But Marvin Jones, like prior to this, was still getting t- 12 targets in the la- three of the last four games. Like, he was getting targeted a ton, and then that game turned just into an absolute nightmare uh, as soon as Stafford went out and Brady just went scorched earth. So, yeah, right there with you. I think Marvin Jones, if Stafford does end up playing, he offers a bunch of upside, and I don't think he's going to draw a ton of ownership. I don't know if you mentioned Josh Reynolds at all as a cheap option, but, I mean, he's the wide receiver, too. He's expected to get 13% ownership. He's probably a guy that would go with in cash. Last week against the Seahawks, he got 10 targets. We've seen him get 10 targets multiple times this season. And for the most part, like, he's been getting heavily involved. He just had a three-week period where it was against the Jets, which was a ridiculous game, against the Patriots, which was a completely Big total blowout where golf didn't throw the ball too much. And then a weird one versus Arizona bats that he's been very good. And 3.2 K is just way too cheap for yeah. him considering that he's going to be the wide receiver too. And you don't know with new quarterbacks and offenses, there's always a guy that they did tend to just latch onto and throw. We saw it with uh, Glennon with Thompson. I think it was Colin Johnson. Yeah. I can't even remember like what his <laughs> name is because it's that irrelevant. It's just, they like to throw the ball. So I think Josh Reynolds, even at decent ownership offers a little bit of upside. Um, what about the Dallas? Like what Dallas guy, wide receiver, would you be looking at most? Because Gallup's now all the way up to 5K. He's been 3.5K for weeks, and then got up to 4K. And now he's finally up to 5K. Like I've been playing him for like the last two months just to like, he's getting targets. Why not play him? And luckily the last month has really paid off. But like Gallup at 5K now and Cooper all the way at 5.8K it seems a little bit too cheap. I know his home road splits. I know he does way better in a dome but this giant's defense is all right, but they're going to throw the ball a ton. Like, are you looking at any of these Dallas receivers? And if so, which one's your favorite?
3: Yeah. Cooper's the one. I mean, I was all over Cooper last week. It's only like 5.7, but you know, it's right around that same price again. And, you know, he still had over a hundred yards last week. It was just Gallup stole the show uh, with those touchdowns. So yeah. Plus yeah.
2: he, yeah. He, he also got tackled on the what three yard line after a <laughs> 60 yard game. I was, <laughs> I almost, I was about to win a GPB and that happened. I'm like, well, shoot, now I just need a catch from Lamb. I need one catch from Lamb. And then the entire fourth quarter, I'm just watching. I'm like, well, I'm toast. They're running the <laughs> ball. And then all of a sudden they run it the last play and CD gets the ball. I'm like, what? It's in the end zone. I'm like, ah, oh, right, that was a nice 20, 20 extra Gs right there. <laughs>
3: We'll take that one. Oh yeah, man. But no, I I think Cooper out of any of these guys just makes the most sense. Again, I think people, you know, tend to, and as someone that writes a wide receiver cornerback article every week of the year, I understand these matchups matter. I just think people a lot of times put a little bit too much stock in them. We're still looking at an incredibly talented number one receiver priced under six K and an offense that has scored 37, 41, 30 points over the past three weeks. Giants defense is solid, but when Daniel Jones and this offense are this bad, it's tough to expect them to continue to keep, you know, their opponent under wraps. So, barry cooper he has that legit you know 150 we've seen him go completely bonkers uh, against usually the eagles but different teams in this NFC East division over the years since he's joined the cowboys so haven't had a you know one of those true just berserk games this year maybe it's not coming without dak but hey it would be fitting in uh, week 17 to see cooper who kind of has given us a floor this year surprisingly other than a game or two uh, to really get back to being that you know boom candidate that we know and love
2: yeah yeah but I think that's it for wide receiver. Anything? I guess one guy I kind of want to intre- – that I'm a little bit interested in for GPPs, Jameson Crowder. Like, have we seen a guy with more random upside this season <laughs> that no one ever plays? man it
3: got what happened was he was getting absolutely force fed targets early on in the year and then Flacco came in and the offense was doing better because Flacco wasn't just force feeding their low ADOT slot receiver and Denzel Mims and Bershaw Perryman are both solid guys on the outside Sam Donald's first game back from injury he actually had the highest single game average target depth out of his entire career I was so optimistic that hey maybe we're gonna see Mims and Perryman be the guys nope he has gone right back to force feeding Crowder so yeah no it makes sense and I kind of glanced past them for you know, the Mike Williams and these other, you know, bigger boomer bust guys that, you know, I just prefer aesthetically. And no, Jamison Crowder is there with a higher target projection. And to your point, he does have that upside against the Patriots secondary that we saw get roasted by this uh, Jets offense before. And yeah, if, if Crowder was popping with, you know, the higher projected ownership that he probably deserves after playing well, then maybe we could pivot down to a Mims or Perryman and kind of pray there. But, you know, I think with the fact that people continue to underrate this guy, yeah, in tournaments, Crowder again continues to make a lot
2: of sense inexplicably yeah Yeah. all right well let's move on to tight end here start off with waller waller is the top projected guy for both ownership and for points like waller is the guy i want if i can pay up for him it's just can i pay up for him likely i can and do i want to if he's going to be 20 percent owned in this spot versus the broncos
3: yeah i mean i don't even feel like you necessarily have to he is affordable though because if you just look at him if you remove the tight end positional designation like waller is the raiders number one receiver and he is not priced as a top 10 receiver on this price tag so i love the analogy you made earlier where it's like you put waller in there and you just get to a cheaper wide receiver you know we have josh reynolds we have uh, marquez calloway and we have these cheaper you know guys literally at 3200 where you're not going to find a tight end at that price point We're nearly the same floor and we're getting waller at 7100 and again he's Just as viable as you know any of the other wide receivers priced around that range, so I love that call. I do think you know Kittle is also shaping up as someone that's going to be fairly chalky, deservedly so. But he only played fifty percent snaps last week. I know we got you know the shower nader going on with him and uh, C J. bathard under center, but I just you know I'm a little too worried about those overall snaps to trust Kittle, even though his price is certainly affordable. I prefer just to go one spot lower too. Mark Andrews, particularly in those Lamar Jackson stacks. If you want to try to save some money, uh, you know, I mentioned Donald Parham earlier at just 2900 Hey, you know, with these cheap tight ends, there's always uh, just, you know, the complete bust factor. But Parham, at least we have one week's worth of action that we've seen him, you know, play legit full-down role. We're not just guessing that he's going to get that this week. We have evidence that he should be out there for pretty much every single snap. And hey, you know, he's one of these classic, uh, you know, ex-basketball players. All of us fantasy football analysts love to... uh, Get just the second coming up. of Antonio Gates, isn't he? <laughs> there we go, man. <laughs> All the stars are alive, but truly, he is he, like he's not just like you know, dad bod fall forward, uh, tight end. He's a legit talented receiver. Uh, Chargers seem to realize that. And again, I'm really optimistic on what Justin Herbert and guys can do in this spot. So I get paying up, and I, I think it does make more sense in, in, uh, you know, cash and even terms just to pay up at tight end, go cheaper at wide receiver. But if you do want to go cheap at both, Donald Parham is probably your
2: guy. Yeah, well, with Kittle, like, are you – have you heard any news about, like, what a snap share might actually be in this game? Because, I mean, Iuk's probably not going to play. Like, Seattle's a good pass defense, but they still might pass the ball a decent amount. Kittle could end up with a ton of targets if he plays 75-plus percent of the target share.
3: I'm just – yeah. I'm just worried because, like, last week I was kind of fading the idea he'd even be limited. because when he came back from injury in week four, he played 99% of the offensive snaps. And they they were talking about it weird. They're like, Kittle's coming back. He's going to be limited, but he's also, like, one of our healthiest guys. So I I figured it'd be business as usual, but they have nothing to play for. I feel like they almost go out of their way to kind of save Kittle from himself because the guy's such a freaking competitor and madman out there just in terms of what he can do with the ball in his hands. So, hey, you know, maybe he does, uh, you know, see the enhanced targets or maybe he just makes the most – out of the limited targets, but I think Waller, you know, not being priced that far away. And Andrew's only 200, cheaper, just other guys that I'm probably going to be getting up to because I'm not sure what your guys uh, ownership projections are, are saying at the top, but it does look like, you know, just uh, some of the other ones I'm looking at, Waller and Kittle could end up having similar ownership. So if Kittle was going more under the radar, I think I'd be more into it, but I am worried about him continuing to see reduced snaps.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're they're both at double digit ownership. Like yeah. Kittle, I think we have projected eleven point four. Waller is over at seventeen point five. The interesting ones are both Higby and Everett are projected under one percent ownership.
3: Hmm. No, I, I'm dude. They've already been almost. Full-time guys, like Rams have been using way more two tight end sets. I think people would give them credit for it throughout this year. And it would make all the sense in the world for Wolford to really lean on them. You know, Higby versus uh, Everett. I'm trying to see where exactly Everett's priced. But I'd probably just lean on Everett if we're getting any sort of a pricing uh, disparity there. I know Higby's 3-5
2: and 2-7. Everett's 2-7. Okay.
3: Like, come on. I think, ever, you know, gun to my head, I think Everett's actually a better receiver, even though Higby had, you know, the better uh, stretch run to end 2019. So, yeah, I mean, their targets have pretty much been equal. There's a pretty low ceiling. I think they've, they've only had one game all season when both have been healthy and they've each seen uh, five or more targets. But to your point, new quarterback situation under center, we don't know. And for a guy to be 27K, I know I said par him is the cheapest you can get and feel good about, but I think you've uh, changed my mind here. Get, go all the way down to Gerald Everett if you truly want to save some money at tight end this week.
2: Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen um, either of them, when they're playing together, get over five targets or whatever you just said. But we also haven't had a game without Cooper Cup exactly. with his 12-plus targets. So it's absolutely a spot, especially if they going up against a fast-paced team That's in the Cardinals. That's going to make them end up with a whole lot more plays throughout the course of the game. So that gives up more pass attempts. And then a guy under QB or under center for the first time just means that he's probably going to rely on his tight ends more and woods like he knows that he can rely on Higby Everett and woods quite a bit. So, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be a spot that I will pay attention to quite a bit as the week goes along. Plus, I mean, if you want to go back to last year, Arizona versus tight ends, you remember that narrative, but Man, yeah. if, you,
3: if you want to build some freaking star studded lineups, so a Walford Everett stack lets you do just about anything you want.
2: Yeah. you know, Just throwing Kamara. Adams and Henry and then <laughs> there we go a price everywhere else. Blind but yeah, up. I guess we should probably move on to defense here. Like we can probably pay up at defense, I would assume, but there's just too many different spots where like, obviously the Ravens going up against Cincinnati is a pretty good spot. Colts going up against Jacksonville. That's a good spot. But then we got the other guys that are in the game against a secondary team essentially i mean the chargers are sitting there at 4.8k going up against the chiefs not something we would ever want to do unless mahomes not playing and mahomes isn't playing so where are you looking at where's a good value defense that you think it should be on your radar outside of the browns who are obviously going to be just the super chalk i would assume at 2.5k like what other defenses are you looking at
3: yeah, I'll have some uh, GPP lineups centered with like Jonathan Taylor and the Colts defense. Maybe even Naeem Hines and the Colts defense if you really want to get funky out there. But then Packers, you know, defense and also Aaron Jones, you know, don't forget to try to correlate those RBs with the defenses when we're able to. Browns are, you know, deservingly uh, super chalky because they're such a cheap defense. They're not a great defense, but they're, you know, okay enough and they're facing a backup QB. But go up $100 to the Minnesota Vikings who have a fraction of that ownership. They're also not a great defense, but but they're at least well-coached under Mike Zimmer. And if Matthew Stafford's out of the picture, we're looking at them facing Chase Daniels. So I think that the Vikings are just an easy one that we can, you know, get away from the chalk. And hey, let's be honest, like defense won the hardest, if it's probably the hardest, you know, uh, position to try to uh, predict and project on a, any given week. So the fact that, you know, there is one that has this much ownership, I think we should be looking elsewhere. Also Titans defense at 2200. I know what the Texans keep saying about Deshaun Watson playing the whole game, but even if he does play the whole game, game, like his just style of quarterbacking does kind of lend itself to some solid. Uh, defensive performances, takes a lot of sacks, you know, take sacks because he's a magician and he can turn nothing into something. So often he has to put the entire team on his back, but, you know, we have seen Watson, Russell Wilson, these quarterbacks that do kind of run around the backfield have these games where they get sacked five, six times, you know, lose a fumble here or there. So Titans, uh, you know, much more to play for, and they are truly the cheapest we can get down to, but Browns also makes sense. You know, if you want to go with Nick Chubb, go for it. But I think uh, Vikings and the Titans in particular, uh, in tournaments to get away from the chalk, uh,
2: uh, sign me up. Yeah. yeah, No, I like, I like pretty much all those calls. Yeah. Right there with you. Um, I think that pretty much does it for us. I think we got through everything. I don't know how long this show is supposed to be. I have, I'm replacing Stevie this week because I believe it's his anniversary. Oh, there you go. Stevie. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You know, I had something important to do some important family stuff. So I was just sitting here doing nothing, drinking coffee. So it worked out <laughs> perfectly for me. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I think we got through everything. Uh, Any last thoughts before we get out of here? Yeah, bro. I think uh, we were good. It's been a fun uh, 17 weeks
3: sharing, uh, you know, some DFS picks with the grinders. I hope uh, you all have had a good, you know, as good as 2020 could have been a much better uh, 2021 ahead. And let's uh, end things with a bang in week 17. Best of luck to everyone out there. And it was uh, good doing the show with you, Grant.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. I officially had a good 2020. There we go. (laughs) In life and in DFS and in gambling. So everyone says it's a terrible year. It turned out all right for me, so there we go. <laughs> it could be worse. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Good luck on any contest this week. Stay, Pay attention to the news as the week goes on. Watch out for Mike Boone. Watch out for Malcolm Brown. We're out of here. See you, kids.